0: Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at
1: 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Can I picture you just like powering through like the sand to get to the beach in your wheelchair?
2: Oh, because I've like done nothing, it.
1: Nothing stops you. <laughs>
0: what up girl um what is up i was hoping to find out today if i still have a job but evidently i do not know the email came through and it literally said nothing i mean why would you need to know something like that yeah it's fine my anxiety has been really good my mental health is really soaring
1: i mean we are tiktok famous now so i really don't think you need a job oh my god you guys (laughs)
0: let's play this is how it happened we were sitting across the table from each other. And Michelle, who's our social media manager, said, I think we need to be on TikTok. And I said, no, I think that's a terrible idea. And she said, no, I think it could go really well. And I said, no, I don't want to. And then she said, oh, but I already signed us up. (laughs) (laughs) Which Um, is really the reason I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Is because I was like, no, I don't want Facebook. I have my space. And then you were like, okay, well, I signed you up. Yeah, I'm like, here's your username and your password. Same with online dating. Oh, yeah. You were like, you need to do online dating. I'm like, I don't want to do online Ugh. dating. And you're like, oh, I signed you up for plenty of fish. And I was like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that did not go well. <laughs> so I literally did not sign up for any of oh, this. Oh, God, I did. Oh, my
1: gosh. I'm sorry. But anyways, I was right, is what she's trying to say. Yes. <laughs> and we posted our first TikTok. And it has like over 7,000 views two it's days bonker. later. Yeah, in two days. And lots of comments. And I just think it's, TikTok is silly, but it's also the new, it's like the new thing. It's like if Snapchat and Instagram had a baby, yeah. it would be TikTok. Well, and like Facebook is over. Instagram is still current, but it's also going Yeah, it's going now, the way now Everybody posts to their Instagram stories now. Yes. Yeah. And so that kind of eliminated Snapchat for a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. But now TikTok is, I don't know, something about TikTok, people get a lot of popularity on TikTok.
0: That's what I've been after my whole life, right?
1: A lot of popularity. No, but we just want another way to like... Engage. Engage and show you guys like our personalities and how silly we are and a little bit of our everyday life and... So, just whether fun. you have
0: TikTok or not, you should download it. You don't have to create content to be able to see TikToks. Yeah, you can just be like a creeper that watches everybody. Yeah, so if you <laughs> want to be a creeper, um, but you should look at our TikTok. It's called I did not sign up for this dot pod. Yeah. And um, I'm really embarrassed about our first video. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny, but it's funny because we're roly poly. Yeah, it's rolling true. on the ground. It's true. We
1: were, we really were the good, a good. Uh... <laughs>
0: Good body shape for that one for <laughs> sure.
1: Um, and we and we recorded our first Patreon video for our eight dollar tier.
0: Yeah. So um with our Patreon, you have a five dollar tier and an eight dollar tier. And the eight dollar tier gets a bonus behind the scenes <laughs> video. And we recorded it while we were riding a bike. Yeah. So I
1: got a new bike that morning and we went for a bike um, ride. And uh it was fun. Yeah. And we just asked each other questions yeah, about how we met and all that.
0: Yeah, some fun stuff. So if you haven't checked out our Patreon, I sure hope you do. We have two episodes, um, like two podcast episodes on there for Patreon-only members. And we have, by today, we'll have our video. Um, and then and- we'll have a third one up. By next week, yeah, man, things are we're Rolling. moving and shaking. Yeah, we also did our first giveaway. We did. Um, so thanks to everybody um, who participated in that. Uh, we're giving away just a little bit of swag, some merch.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: So, um, a girl named Ashley won. So, Ashley, if you're listening to this, thank you. Shout out, thank you, <laughs> and congrats, and congrats. We're gonna get you your mug, your pin, and your sticker. Um. So
1: we're interviewing
0: oh, yeah. someone so, today. Yeah, just in a few minutes, we're going to be interviewing um, <clears throat> someone named Shaylin. And I actually don't know how I found her. Like, she's on our Instagram. Yeah. But I don't I don't know which one of us followed her, why we followed her. Yeah. Did she follow us and we followed back? I don't know. We you are know. team follow back. <laughs> we're team follow we back. We are. <clears throat> but... Um, we had been trying to find a student who was supposed to be graduating this year. And then obviously their graduation was affected because of COVID. Um, and she posted a picture of, um, of like, it should have been her convocation day that day. Um, so I, so I reached out to her, so we're going to talk with her. She's got kind of like a triple layered, interesting story. Yes. Um, So she has a condition called SMA type two, um, which has impacted her life, um, played a part in like, you know, some challenges with going to school, it sounded like. Mm -hmm. And um, now with COVID happening, it impacted her graduation and some other stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'll save some of the details for when we interview her. But I think, um, yeah, I think it'll be like a really interesting story. I'm really excited. I listened to her on another podcast that she had told me she did, and it was, it it was incredible. So, um, no, I'm really excited
1: to talk to her. That'll be that'll be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Other
0: than that nothing really is new. Um, no, nobody in our houses has has COVID. No. My kids are back in daycare, but we already talked about that. Yeah. Uh, ooh, <clears throat> we have more shout outs for our Patreon. Oh yeah, we do. So you also get a shout out when you join our Patreon. So um, Frank Francois. Francois. He joined. So exciting. Yay. And he was your husband's like one of his best friends. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so nice. Yeah. Um, And then. And Lena. And Lena. Oh yeah. And yeah, so Lena also signed on our friend Jana, Mm -hmm. um a lovely looking lady named claudia oh signed on um i don't know who you are claudia but thank you i love that the little accent you put on Yeah, is it claudia or is it claudia i don't know when i read it and she's got like beautiful curly hair well there you go in my head i'm like oh it's claudia if it's not claudia it should be
1: (laughs) so guys thanks thank you so much you guys yeah we're having a lot of
0: fun, honestly. And we're kind of all over the place today. Yeah, well, that is I, our life. I showed up with coffee. Your mom was sorting socks, as one does. It's so funny. Um, I was putting away my laundry
1: today, and then I was like, I literally can say that my mom does my laundry. Because <laughs> <laughs> just recently, she um, offered to take my yeah. laundry and do it and bring it back, and she brings it back folded and it's amazing. Does she do it
0: because it drives her crazy the way you don't do it? Well, okay. No. no. no okay. <laughs> okay, You do laundry, I do but laundry. you're like a bulk laundry doer. I am.
1: I do it probably the wrong way. I do all of my laundry at the same time, fold it all at the same time. So it's literally like nine baskets of laundry or more.
0: You guys, one time I suggested that we just have the kids put their clothes away midway through folding because the towers of clothes were starting to fall. And she's like, no, that's not really the way that I I like to just do it all at once. And I was like, "Okay, but anyway, we'll agree to disagree here. So I think that um, it is partly
1: um, that maybe she doesn't like my method and then partly because she's trying to help. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I, I do laundry weird. I have five kids. I like I can't keep up. Yeah. I really listen. can't. Yeah. And they're just dirty little things. So, you know. And then I'm working
0: out, so then I have workout clothes and if my if I don't get my job back, um, because if you guys have been listening, I got temporarily laid off and there's been very little communication about what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, can I just be a professional podcaster? How can I make this Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Slash nanny? Yeah. You have no money to pay me. Like, you- well, no, but <laughs> when has that ever stopped us before? <laughs> Can I get a grant to look after your children all summer while podcasting? Yeah. I don't see. Oh. <sighs> I actually just did so I sad. I just needed to
1: take a breath. Um, No, well, we're going to get TikTok famous.
0: Yes. We're going to get
1: podcast famous. Yes. But then Patreon things are just gonna, gonna blow up. Things are just gonna start rolling, just rolling. We, like I said, we just have to put it out there. I did read the secret. Yeah, I read it like twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what did you do to manifest this reality? I know. We right? should create a vision I board. Obviously, didn't do it right.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, um, I'm not a vision board person. I did once and it was fun, but I like I don't know where I put it. But and like, what? You just stare at it until something happens? Like <laughs> I don't
0: know. Maybe every day you just stare at it for a certain amount of time? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So if any of you guys are hiring, I'm or know very the- personable. Or know how vision boards work. Or know how vision boards work. <laughs> or if you can tell me how I can... Make money as a professional podcaster. Yes. That would be great. You should do commercials and voiceover work. I hate my voice. I think companies would pay me not to talk about their (laughs) products.
1: Well, it's a good thing we have a podcast because (laughs) nobody can hear your voice, listeners. If you hate Carling's voice, please let us know. I feel like I have a face for radio,
0: but a voice for silent movies. Oh my God. (laughs) did our podcast i'm used i'm now more used to my voice but i just find it grating or something i thought that
1: well and i've never liked my voice i feel like i sound like a valley girl whenever i listen to myself back but i'm used to it now that we're like listening to our own
0: podcast it doesn't annoy me as much as i thought it would you guys tell us do you hear your own voice and like think it's awful and do you think your voice sounds different to other people like my voice. i like how we paused i was like hey guys can you just quickly tell me <laughs> oh oh we have a we have a, yeah, a caller <laughs> judy
1: like one oh. i hate my
0: voice <laughs> i don't know what that is i can't do accents at all okay let's get ready to rumble no let's get ready no. to interview shaylin okay um all right let's cue our music Do you have any questions for us like before we get started i just like how did you guys start doing this oh yeah so um Michelle and I have been best friends for like 20 years and so I am a lesbian but I married a man and okay. it did not it did not go well I don't doubt <laughs> and, it that makes sense <laughs> plot twist um, so I have this like crazy ex it was like a whole big thing um, and then just last year uh, Michelle's husband passed away suddenly
2: Oh, I'm
1: so um, sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have five kids and and we we were kind of throwing around the idea of starting a podcast a while ago. Um, and we were thinking like true crime or something like that, because that's what we kind of listen to all the time. Mm-hmm, um, same.
0: But yeah.
1: <laughs> but then Carling was one day was like, we need to do a podcast and it needs to be called I Did Not Sign Up For This. And it kind of encompasses like our lives, but it also is so many other people's story as well. Um and it kind of is such a broad uh spectrum of what it can be, you know? I think Definitely. everyone in their life has said like I did not sign up for this, but um we also want to try to find the you know, the stories of people overcoming that or what they've gotten out of it or what they've learned from it. So right. Um that's kind of where it started, but then we had no time. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> um awesome. but
1: then but then the pandemic kind of happened, and we had a little bit more time, so we decided
2: to to go for it. That's so cool. That yeah, yeah it's I been love a lot that fun. story. The, you're so right, though. Everyone has a story about something they did not sign up for in life. Yeah, yeah.
1: and and you know, it can be tragic, but it can also, you know, it, there can be good in it, or you know, a story of being able to overcome it and just yeah just to kind of show that even if you feel like you're in a position that you didn't sign up for um there there can I don't know you can you can get through it
2: exactly exactly it should
0: be noted we also just have like a really like we use humor to live through our traumas Uh, (laughs) yeah we're just like constantly (laughs) (laughs) we're just like constantly making jokes um yeah so we're like you know like people need to be able to laugh about these things Mm -hmm. um otherwise we would just be like under
2: our beds crying exactly
0: yeah (laughs) um yeah so I don't know that's us
2: that's so awesome I'm so excited for this
0: oh good we're Um, excited to talk to you yeah so officially hello (laughs)
1: hello
0: do you prefer Shaylin or do you go by like Shay I go by Shay usually okay Cool. Um, Yeah, it was really so I found you on Instagram. um, But I was telling Michelle, like, I don't remember how I like you, you just like showed up on my feed. I'm like, Oh, we're following this, like, this like girl, and you posted about how it was supposed to be your convocation um, from university. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. We were looking to talk to somebody who um, was supposed to be graduating, but then the pandemic happened. Um, And then the more I looked into your profile, I was like, Oh, my gosh, this girl has like, a lot of like really interesting things going on this girl Um, has
2: layers like an onion
0: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so I'm I'm like honestly I sent you a message I was like there's no way she's going to respond
2: and then you did and
0: I was like Michelle (laughs) um yeah so um yeah why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself where you're from how old you are
2: so my name is Shaylyn Taylor. I was born in Moose Draw, Saskatchewan, and I grew up um, there all my life. And then when I graduated from high school in 2014, I moved out to Vancouver uh, for a year of school. That didn't turn out to be what I signed up for. So I then moved <laughs> to Calgary a year later, um, and I've called Calgary home for the last five years. I'm 24 years old. Um, And I live with a degenerative neuromuscular disease called spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA for short, type 2. Wow. And so when were you diagnosed about it, or with it, and like, what is it? So my parents began noticing around a year old that I was kind of a floppier baby. I would try putting weight on my legs, but not for long. I was always holding on to things or them. Um, If they left me on the floor, I wouldn't crawl around and explore. I would just sit where they left me. And so they began going to different doctors, um, asking for answers, asking for testings. And they continued being told that I was just a lazy baby, that I would start moving when I was ready to um, and that they had nothing to worry about. But my mom, um, despite being a first time mom, just knew that there was something more and continued um, to search for the answers. And so as she was still fighting to find answers for my disease, she found out she was pregnant with my little brother. Hmm. And so a month after he was born, I was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy type 2, which is a genetic disease. It meant that both my parents, both my parents were carriers of the gene. And um, because they were both carriers, I had a one in four chance of having SMA, um, wow. which also meant my brother had a one in four chance. And luckily, he was not affected by SMA, but he was actually born with a heart defect. And so uh, while my mom was waiting for my diagnosis, he was born um, and stayed living in the NICU until he was able to have open heart surgery and came home around eight months old um, with oxygen tanks and the full setup. And she had just received my diagnosis. And the doctors told her to take me home and love me. There was nothing they could do. There was no hope, no cure, no treatment, and that my life expectancy maximum would be 12 years old. Oh, my God. Oh,
0: my
1: gosh. As a mother, my heart is broken. I can't imagine that. I mean, you're already so terrified of things going wrong, like the second you get pregnant and to know that there's so many kind of obstacles coming. And I mean, so incredible that she was such an advocate for you um that she wasn't taking that diagnosis of a quote unquote lazy baby you know lying down she was going yes. to find out what what was really happening that's oh wow that's incredible she's strong
2: yeah like so crazy. it was 18 months old right it was 18 <laughs> months old when i finally got my diagnosis um and then from there my diagnosis has continued to change um the path my body has followed is not along any of the expectations of doctors or professionals. Um, I continue to be involved in all kinds of research so they can follow my body, but I continue to be an anomaly here at 24 years old, as healthy and strong as I am.
1: That's, yeah, you you've doubled your life expectancy.
2: Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, that's really, that's like, that's so incredible. How was your journey to university? Because you, so you
2: are in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. So I'm permanently confined to a power wheelchair. I have like no movement of my lower body and I have movement of my upper body, but it's extremely weak. And okay. so um, I need help throughout the day, but I'm also like so stubbornly independent that mm-hmm. I want as much of my own time as I can have without having help. Um, And that was a big part of me going to university was I really wanted that independence and to be able to build my own life, but I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it with all my needs. And I was leaving a home where I would basically had 24 hour care from my parents and I was moving out and I knew that I would not qualify for funding for 24 hours a day. Um, But I also knew that I had this tug on my heart to go to BC and it was like so far away from any friends and family it wasn't like my mom could just drive up one night if I needed something like I was a flight away from my family but I just knew that I needed that that I would continue to come back to what was easy and safe for me if I stayed close to home and so I knew that if I went out there I had no choice but to rely on myself and trust that my brain would figure out a way to do what my body couldn't do And so I moved out there in the fall of 2014. And it was just every disaster after disaster, like (laughs) my chair would die in downtown Vancouver, and I had no contacts or anyone to call or I got my first case of pneumonia, which is often like a big hospitalization for us with SMA. Um, My roommate kicked me out halfway through the year. And I just had like a crazy experience with that. And There were no other wheelchair accessible units. And she was also in a wheelchair. And like, it was just, my mom flew up one day and I was like, I have nowhere to live. I'm like on academic probation in school. I just don't know what I'm doing. But I refused to quit at that point and come home. My mom was like, this isn't quitting. And I was like, oh no, I'm finishing out this school year. And then I'll start another chapter in the fall. And so that's what I did. I decided to move to Calgary to Mount Royal University. And it was like the best of everything I wanted from university. It was small class sizes. It was teachers who actually got to know you. They understood what I was going through and um, were able to be more accommodating because of that. Whereas I went to Simon Fraser University in Vancouver and I was one of like 350 students no teachers knew my name, they didn't know my story. And so when I got pneumonia, and I was missing group projects, and I was emailing, like, I just kept being told there was nothing they could do. And I was just gonna have to take a zero. And I just could tell the second I got to Mount Royal that that wasn't going to be my experience there. And it was a program change. I thought I wanted to be this businesswoman who had a massive office, I literally wrote an essay in grade 12. And I was like, my dream is to be a super powerful businesswoman who wears business suits and heels every day and like sits at this big, gorgeous desk. And I started studying business in BC. And I was like, this is so boring. Like, I I can't do this. And so I switched into criminal justice um, at Mount Royal. And I'd always loved like, CSI and criminal minds and <laughs> all things crime. And my mom yeah. was like, what are you going to do as someone in a wheelchair in the justice system? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to find a way. Cause I love it. Like I'm passionate about it. And yeah. I have worked a few jobs in the justice system. I've tried being a probation officer. I've worked in the nonprofit like um, restorative justice groups and it's amazing, but I learned that what I really needed to learn from criminal justice was how to be an advocate and oh, wow. how to see the injustice um, that was going on for so many different groups of people in Canada under our justice system and realize that I wasn't the only one fighting a broken system. And it just gave me so much confidence and more rocket fuel to keep going knowing that there were so many other people who needed an advocate and so I don't think I'll ever work in criminal justice um and I took a minor in sociology which also just really fed into my desire to be an advocate and to break apart what society created as the expectations for my life and actually create my own life and so university just turned into like So many things I did not sign up for, but it all (laughs) has been so incredible and taught me so much.
0: That's really incredible. I love hearing that. I went through like years with the um, criminal system with my crazy ex um, and I learned firsthand that like it is a broken system. Mm
2: -hmm. So broken.
0: Yeah, like I had like he literally broke every single restraining order. And they were like, well, you can't prove it. Well, you can't, you know, like it was just like roadblock after roadblock. And, you know, I'm thankful that I felt uh, the ability to like self-advocate in those instances. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, there's probably so many people that don't feel that they have a voice. And, you know, I just, yeah, I think advocacy work is just, you're my hero, basically. I (laughs) think
1: that, well, you're so, I don't know, you're giving me hope, honestly, for my daughters, because I find right now they're so stubborn and strong headed and being like, no, I'm going to do things my way. And I'm like, this will be really good for them when they're older, but I just need to survive it now. But that's probably what your mother was thinking when you're like, I'm going to move out. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to quit. Um, And I think that's incredible that you can have all of these kind of roadblocks in your way and be like, no, I'm going to just keep going because that's what I need to do. And I think that's amazing.
2: And that I always found, like, I have trouble fighting just for myself. Like, I'm I'm the kind of person who will just sit back with the bare minimum, find a way to get by. I don't, like, love fighting for change for myself. But when I saw so many people, like you said, as a probation officer, that they, they couldn't get the support they needed. And I knew what was going on, but I couldn't do anything for them. Yeah. And I was like, it's those kind of people that motivate me to keep using my voice. It's like at this time they can't use their voice, but I can.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I I should have mentioned at the top of it, so I listened to a podcast that you were on that you had sent me. Um, is it called The Elevator?
2: Yeah, the Elevators podcast.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'll link a I'll put a link in our description to it because it was such an in-depth interview about like your SMA and sort of like how you've had to advocate for yourself for so many things. Um, I thought it was incredible. It was, I was like driving, I was like angry for you. I was cheering for (laughs) you. Um, And yeah, it just got me like so much more excited for this interview um, so yeah, so if I touch on things that I like kind of already know about, it's because I heard your podcast. It's because she's been talking yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned that you're, so this was last March that you were in that podcast. Yes. Um, and you were just about to, or you had just started a new medical trial for SMA.
2: Yeah. So I just, um, celebrated my one year mark on a clinical trial for a drug called Rizdaplam. Um, it's an oral liquid that I take every single day to help replace the gene that my body doesn't create. Well, and well. it is shown to help to stop the degeneration and progression of SMA and actually allow allowed the muscles to build strength and to kind of repair um, some of the damage that SMA has done.
0: Wow. And so, And so it's in New York, right?
2: Yeah. So the clinical trial... Um, it's very rare for Canada to get many clinical trial um, spots because our guidelines are so much um, more complicated than the U.S. for clinical trials. And so for this drug, the only clinical trial in Canada is for um, people 12 and under. And so I didn't qualify for any of the ones in Canada. And I did qualify for this one in New York if I had previously received treatment. Um, So I ended up having to purchase four doses of a drug called Spinraza, which had a price tag of $120,000 a dose. And so thanks to like an amazing community, I touch on all of that in the other podcast, but it was like a huge fight. We fundraised the money and the whole purpose of fundraising the money and getting those four doses was so I would qualify for this drug. Um, The other drug was spinal injections, which are really complicated. Um, Everyone with SMA, by the time they're an adult, usually has spinal fusion surgery because our spines are so weak. And so my spine has metal on every side. It's all wired into my spine. So it was very complicated to do that procedure. And so this drug in New York really seemed like the dream. It was something that I could maintain the levels of my system by taking it every day. And it was simply a liquid that it wouldn't change my life at all. I would just take it in the morning when I woke up and I could actually start healing my body. Wow. Wow.
1: And no side effects to it?
2: So there were side effects. Um, I struggled. I've struggled a lot with the side effects of treatment because my brain constantly goes, are these side effects worth what you're getting out of the treatment? And I spent so many years accepting SMA and accepting what it looked like, down to the point of like planning my funeral when I was 22, because that was just a reality I saw coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And even all through university, I never expected to graduate and actually be able to use my degree. It was always something that I would do until I was not healthy enough to study any longer, yeah. and then I would be done with school. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, it's hard with the side effects. But the the drug I'm on right now is really hard on my stomach. It's a very um, powerful drug, and yeah. so it's very um, damaging to the stomach and intestines. Oh. I've had to cut out gluten and dairy already to be, um, to have my food as gentle on my stomach as possible with the hopes of ab- absorbing as much medication as I can. Yeah. And um, depression was one of the ones that is a side effect um, that they monitor in the clinical trial. And it hit me hard with this drug. I don't know if it was a mixture of the fight of getting there Or when I first started, I was going to New York every two weeks um, to be monitored. And so it was like a ton of travel, a ton of doctors, a ton of assessments. But I um, have always struggled with depression and anxiety since I moved to BC. And it got worse and worse the longer I was on the medication to the point where I had to double my antidepressants. Um, And it wasn't until this spring... That I finally felt that starting to lift. And I think it's just a lot of head work that I've had to do of telling myself I deserve this treatment, of telling myself I deserve to get healthier, um, even though there's so many people still wasting away from SMA without treatment. And yeah. I never really struggled with that guilt. And I think that played a huge role in my depression of being on this new treatment was knowing that families that I've worked with who've lost their babies possibly could have still had their babies here if they were on this treatment. Oh my
1: gosh. That's, that's, yeah, that's a really hard, that's a really hard thought to have.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of, um, of reworking on my brain and also of telling my brain that I could possibly get stronger after I've spent so long telling my brain it's okay if I continue to get weaker.
0: And so you went through all of this and you were still juggling school?
2: Yeah, so I was still taking four classes My God, um, the whole time. So it would be one week in New York and I would be there for a full week of assessments and treatment. And then I would fly back and do a full week of school, gather all my homework from the week I'd missed and head back to New York for another week. Um, And then it got to my practicum time last summer. And so I was working as a probation officer with my own caseload. And I was then having to fly to New York um, once a month for a week. And so it was it was a lot of adjusting and a lot of um, days where I went, do I really need to be doing all of this at once? Yeah. yeah. But I just was felt...
0: Ever- Go, ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, was it ever an option for you to take a break from school?
2: So, so many people were like, Shaylin just... Stop, take a break, <laughs> work on treatment, like just slow down. Um, but there's so many complicated piece when it, pieces when it comes to being in a wheelchair. And so if I stopped school, I lost the home care funding I re- was receiving in Alberta because since I was still a Saskatchewan resident attending school there, Saskatchewan was funding my care. Okay. But as soon as school ended for me or I was no longer a student, I no longer received that care funding and I would have to switch everything over to become an Alberta resident if I wanted to receive care there. So it meant that my apartment, I wouldn't have anymore, I would have to move home, I would have no caregivers. Um, My insurance would change because I would no longer be a student. So I wouldn't qualify under my parents insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was just like, of course, a bunch of additional SMA pieces on top of it. It was like, My support staff who I'd hired and had an amazing team of that took such good care of me, I would have to lay all of them off because I would no longer have money to pay them. Um, And like all my volunteer work in Alberta, I would have to leave all of that. And it was just easier in my head to continue powering through um, (laughs) for this short amount of time instead of having to give up so many other pieces of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and so the trial is a three-year trial, right?
2: Yeah, so it's a three-year trial, and then after there's a um, two-year extension phase, I can continue to do if I want okay. to stay on the drug. So I'm actually guaranteed five years of the drug for free by participating wow. in this study. That's amazing.
0: So you were doing your last year of school, right, while yes. you did your first year of yes. treatment? yeah. Yes. Yikes.
1: When it comes to this treatment, it, is it, um, and I, I guess I don't know much about medical trials, but this is obviously to um, collect data to make sure that this drug is safe uh, yeah. to contribute.
2: Yeah, so all the data they collect is what they will then present to the FDA and Health Canada um, when they're ready to put the drug on the market.
1: That's amazing. So um, I guess kind of touching back on on your... Your thought process because you were talking about how um you know you were you were having a hard time taking the drug, knowing that people that you know were losing you know children to it did did it kind of change your mindset that you know you going through this trial is going to be a positive for so many people in the yeah, end yeah
2: I really had to the people in my life really had to keep reminding me of that in the beginning, yeah, yeah. um because I struggled a lot with it, but i I am now seeing that as COVID hit, um, this drug company had enough data that they were able to get a bunch of patients in the US switched over to their drug so they wouldn't have to go into the hospitals um, and expose themselves to get their spinal injections. Mm -hmm. And so it was really encouraging for me like when I read that, I was like, well, because I've stuck this out for a year, they have enough safety Data that they can then continue giving kids treatment while this pandemic's going on. And there's SMA. little blessings yeah. like that. Um, yeah. But I work with newly di- diagnosed families in Alberta, and I have had two close um, families lose their babies to SMA. And so for me, it's always like bittersweet because you know, I'm getting so much stronger and I'm getting healthier and I'm pushing this drug along but it's like Lewiston and Aspen will never be able to experience all these drugs that could have saved their life. Yeah,
0: um, yeah,
2: and then I continue to work with families who still have their babies here. And they're jumping through the hoops of trying to get their child on treatment as soon as possible. And it's just like such a crazy landscape right now, but I have oh. hoped that there will be a day in my lifetime where a baby is diagnosed with SMA in utero, they're given treatment at birth and the whole future of SMA will look completely different. Yeah. That's amazing. And
1: and those families are probably so encouraged by your progress that, you know, like you're saying that, that they could have that drug as well for their child and, and see them grow up. Yeah.
0: Wow. And so we kind of touched a little bit on COVID-19, Um, so, so when did you, so I, I guess we're going to kind of go in two different directions. We may jump around a little bit, but when do you first remember hearing about like this pandemic happening?
2: So that was the craziest thing. I was in Toronto at the beginning of March for an SMA conference and it was starting to be talked about that there was this virus and, but it wasn't a big deal yet. And so um lewiston's mom Jessica and I flew to Toronto. We went to this conference. There was like hand sanitizer at the doors, but they have that at every SMA conference, so I didn't really think much of it. And like we went out for dinners and stuff and we flew home and 4 days later I was supposed to be flying to New York um for my one year assessment and I heard that there were some cases in the US all of a sudden and I was like is this a good idea for us to be going? <laughs> But I was like, it's my one year assessment. Like it's a week full of testing. It's been scheduled forever. Like, yeah, and so we, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we called the clinical trial site and we were like, are you concerned? Like, what do you think? And they were like, well, we're obviously playing it by ear. Um, we have one confirmed case in the hospital here, but like mm-hmm. they're isolated. And so I, I think that it should be okay if you guys are just careful with what you're doing. And it just continued to escalate closer and closer to the day we left. But we packed up with masks and hand sanitizer and all the things and we flew there. Um, and we decided that we would just go back and forth from hotel to hospital. Um, we right. didn't go out for anything. We didn't do anything. Um,
0: Especially New York because that ended up kind of being the epicenter of exactly.
2: the North American part, right? Mm-hmm. And so we flew home on like the 14th of March. And oh. the the next day, it was like, if you've flown home from um, the U.S., you have to mandatory self-isolation for two weeks. And like it just oh, started getting God. crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I can't expose my workers now because I was just in New York. And so yeah. I came home to Saskatchewan um, with my mom because she had been in New York with me. So I came home here on March 15th and it just continued to escalate and it was like there was five confirmed cases on the plane that flew home from New York the day before we flew home and the Mm -hmm. day after we flew home but there were no confirmed cases on our flight home that day um it was just crazy and like being in the hospital in masks no one was touching you it was just like they were trying to do my physical assessments by telling my mom what to do, touching me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it was so crazy. And so, yeah, I really watched it, like, all unfold in the U.S. And it was pretty scary, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah. Are, and are you immune compromised?
2: I am. I am. So I'm immune compromised. And then one of the biggest issues, and usually the issue that leads to death with SMA is how weak um, and compromised our lungs are. And so with COVID attacking the lungs, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was a scary thing. Um, But I think that I was one of those people that it was scary. I isolated. I haven't really, I've been out to the grocery store twice in like three months. But I also looked a little differently at it because pneumonia is also deadly for me. And right, influenza yeah. is also deadly if I catch it. So it, it was scary and I knew I needed to take the precautions, but a lot of the precautions were things I already did every day of my life for the last yeah. 20 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. And
0: so, and so how has it affected your trial? Cause you're now into the second year officially of your three-year trial, but now the
2: borders are closed. So I was really grateful I got that one-year assessment done because it would have really thrown a wrench into things if I hadn't had all that data completed. Yeah. Um, it turned out that I was the last clinical trial patient that they were able to see before they had to close down because oh, wow. of the pandemic. So I was like the last one they saw all the way from Canada. Um, yeah. But they have since found a way to ship my medication over the border to me. It's so complicated because my medicine is light sensitive and it's temperature sensitive. So if it, if the temperature warms up too much, it becomes inactive. Oh, and God. if it's exposed to light too much, it weakens the effects of it. And so trying to transport it is like such a gong show. Um, yeah. Up until now, it, it has a short shelf life as well. And so it only can stay like in my fridge for a month and a half. And so up until now, every month, my dad has been flying. If it's not a time where I have to go for assessments, he flies up to New York and flies it home for me so he can make sure it's taken care of. What? Wow. Yeah. And the clinical trial is actually amazing. And they pay for him to fly there and bring it home. Um, And he has special um, permission to do that? Yeah, he has, like, a big document he has to bring. and it can't go through the scanner at airport security. And I don't know if you've ever flown into JFK, but their security is top notch. Um, yeah. So he has to go through all this um, clearance to be able to bring it across the border with him. Wow. Um, for say, so
0: If you're living with him, does he have to quarantine like every time he comes
2: back? So he doesn't have to do it right now because of COVID. Um, they have found a way to ship it across the border um, oh, and okay. actually get it delivered right to my house.
0: Oh, so okay. thankfully,
2: wow. he doesn't have to be um, leaving the house. So my whole family has been quarantined with me the whole time. Um, uh-huh. my, my parents are both teachers. So their work um, went to working from home right when it all started to break out. So that was, wow.
1: are they so um, happy to have you like under their roof? Oh,
2: they love it. I don't know yeah. how much <laughs> I love it after six years of like living away in my own space. Yeah, but They are in heaven. Yeah. They're, yeah totally. And I have a service dog that I got um, literally right as I started the clinical trial process, which I didn't realize how much of an adjustment that was um, just getting the service dog. And so they really love having the two of us home they love getting to spoil him and they've bought him a pool and everything but um it's different and there's still that heaviness of like I've just graduated university and I should be starting my life but because I'm so um immunocompromised I'm still here under their roof yeah yeah so yeah. when
0: so when you So with school, so you were like, oh, crap, like I got to head to Saskatchewan for my own safety. Were were you still in the middle of classes? Like, were you wrapping up with exams?
2: Yeah. So I still had like three weeks of classes left when I came home. And I remember like messaging my professor from New York as it was all like, you're going to have to self-isolate for two weeks after. And I was like, I messaged one of them and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I had to come to New York for my clinical trial appointments. I know we have class presentations next week. I'm not going to be able to come do them in person because like, this is what the recommendation is. And by the time I got home, school was canceled for that Monday and it was started online the next day. And so um, luckily for me, all my classes I was able to still complete and be a part of because they were online for everyone else as well which oh, that's good. it was it was a blessing but also a bit of an interesting thing for me to experience because for so many years when it got like the bad times and cold and flu season I would beg to be able to just like FaceTime into class oh, instead of having to really come sit yeah in, in germ infested classrooms and like put myself at risk and it was always like no like that's distracting for students that's like uh, difficult for the teacher. It's not good for privacy. And then it was like COVID <laughs> hits, and like every accommodation a wheelchair person has ever asked for, it was like, yeah. look, we can do all these things. Um, oh my God. So I'm hoping. Like, wow. Funny how yeah, that happens. Uh-huh. I'm really hoping that that helps to honestly create a change moving forward for people with disabilities. Is yeah. the realization that so much of work and school can be completed remotely if that's what's safest for. Well, and
1: it, and it feels like so many things are going to change in that way. I mean, it's basically like this huge social experiment that's happened to, to try to figure out how um, we can still communicate and do school or buy things or, you know, yeah, ju- just exactly. do kind of unthinkable virtually. So hopefully that does change a lot of things for for people who haven't been able to, like you said, be there um, their whole lives and yeah, yeah. It, it'll probably change a lot of things and that's yeah. interesting
0: that your classes kept going so we interviewed a teacher last week um, that was like a elementary school teacher and you know like a big thing had been sent out for like Michelle's kids saying school's done for the year the, the grade they have is the grade they have but we'll still provide you know school work and it was sort of this like back and forth so but for university like they couldn't just give you a grade and be like okay go get a career right like <laughs> yeah, you had to finish
2: yeah so um, all of the exams were online which was super complicated because like it's really hard to monitor academic honesty when you're letting your <laughs> students write their exams from home next to their textbook yeah um, but then it was also in the decision of Mount Royal University that you couldn't change the syllabus from what it was before COVID. And so um, it was like, if you had a final exam on there, you couldn't then cancel it. I mean, some teachers still did, but mine and sociology are very rule-abiding professors. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, they had to find ways for us to do them from home and doing our class end-of-the-year presentations from home. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It definitely wasn't the full university experience and I definitely feel bad for students starting university in the fall where they've announced that it's online for fall already yeah Um, because it's a very different experience I mean I'm someone who learns best in person which is why I didn't sign up for online school to begin with even though it probably would have been better health-wise I was like I learned from being in the classroom learning from somebody um and so yeah it's it's going to be very different. I'm very grateful I've graduated now and I'm not returning to school in the fall. Yeah.
0: And so when, so your convocation, like that's like a big thing. Like you went to school for three or four years.
2: And I went to school for six years. Oh my it makes God, me cringe every time. Cause I had my <laughs> one year in uh, BC and then I did my four year degree. At MRU, and then I did a one-year edition for my minor. So oh five years God. at Mount Royal, yeah.
0: And so, what should what should have your convocation looked like? Like, when would it have happened?
2: It would have been the first week of June, um, and on the fourth or fifth. And I was so excited for it. It was like a, it was a day I didn't expect I would ever see, honestly. And well, then to ha- like have more- a degree and a minor yeah. and be healthy. I was just like, this is such a day to celebrate. Um, My whole last year, my service dog, Atrey, came with me every day. So I was so excited for him to wear a little graduation cap and cross the stage with me. Um, Yeah, it was just like something I was very excited about. And I had to stop and give myself a couple days to grieve that that wasn't going to be because it just felt like such a big monumental day that it was just a given I would get to celebrate.
0: Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I think grieving is such a good word for, you know, like this idea that you worked so hard for and you like, you fought so hard to get there. Um, was there, when did they announce that it wasn't going to happen? Like, do you think everybody was sort of holding out hope?
2: Yeah. They held out hope until like the middle of May and then they finally announced that it wasn't going to, to happen. And then they had said that they were hoping to do it in the fall instead. And so that was like a little glimmer of hope that it might still happen just later. And then when they announced that classes were going to be virtual in the fall, it was kind of like, okay, there's not going to be grads in the fall with thousands of people if they're not even having classes in the fall. Uh,
0: And so how did they let you know? Was it just like an
2: email? Yeah, it was just an email from the um, president of Mount Royal. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it was it was so strange. I just like just something you don't expect. But then I thought about like grade 12 graduates and like the big exciting prom and your dress and everything. And I was just like, there's so many people around the world that are missing out on a special day like this.
1: Do you feel like in a in a strange way, you've kind of been preparing for something like this, like kind of things you feel like things are going on the right track and then it's like nope you know what I mean like yeah you kind of experienced that a few times and and it's probably I mean obviously disheartening um, but maybe you've come up with some coping mechanisms to to kind of deal with the disappointment
2: yeah my best friend and I joke we've been best friends since like elementary school and we've gone through so much stuff together um, and periods of not talking and we always end up getting ourselves back on track and being best friends again and we always joke and we're just like after all the trauma that we've gone through together and like the excitement and the crushing um that it's really hard to enjoy the happy without being like a little bit tense for the ball to drop and something yeah. to to come along and change it um but I have been doing counseling since I was 12 years old and I really don't think I could handle my life if I did not have that kind of support in my life because there's just so much that always changes that I need to have that non-biased impartial person that I can talk it all through who can help me to refocus my thoughts and continue moving forward instead of getting hung up on the situations that come up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like mental health, um, Needs to be as important as physical health it- you know they need to go yeah. hand in hand um you know Carling and I both see counselors, my kids see counselors. It's so important it is um, it it can just make the biggest difference in someone's life and especially if you're you know the trauma that you've gone through and yeah, like you said it, it you know you need to have that person that you can you can talk to and and feel like you're understood or give you some some uh tools to kind of manage.
2: Exactly. My counselors don't love it, but my favorite thing to do after a ball drops is to go on a trip. And it's like <laughs> when I travel and I go to the new spot, I'm just like, okay, when we get back we can regroup and start again. But right now I just get to exit all the stress of everything, spend three or four days in the sun swimming, and then I'm like, okay, I can do it again. <laughs>
0: That's yeah, so funny for sure. That's good. That's gonna be my new motto. Like, oh, <laughs> oh. something didn't go right. You know what, guys? I'm going on a trip. Seriously. I go a bit. My mom's <laughs>
2: always like, Where does this money come from for these trips? And I was like, Mom, I just put it out there that I really need a break, and somehow the money comes where someone <laughs> offers me their beach house or there's a seat sale at WestJet and I get there. So
0: make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, funny. Um, and so, so I was also wanted to touch on, you sit on the board for an SM, SMA foundation and did you, or you started it, right?
2: Um, So I didn't start it. I knew the family before the foundation was started. Um, So it was started by Jessica and Ronnie Olstad. They're a couple here in Calgary and they had a little boy named Lewiston who was born with type one SMA um Jess just wrote a book called bring the joy and it tells Lewiston's whole story and hers but their family is seriously the biggest motivators for me to keep pushing forward in life um I watched them celebrate every one of Lewiston's five months of life um with dance parties and love and private concerts and like funny glasses with big mustaches, like they just brought so much joy into SMA. That's and so nice. They decided that they wanted when Lewiston passed just shy of his six month birthday, they decided that they wanted to create this foundation um and run it for the next 18 years like they would have raised Lewiston. And so oh, wow. because they couldn't pour their time and heart into Lewiston, they were gonna pour that time and heart into this foundation. And they were going to do it for other families with SMA and to give back to Alberta Children's Hospital, which was where Lewiston lived his last couple months and received Uh, all his end-of-life care. And so, yeah, so they created the foundation um, with the pillars of bringing joy, spreading movement, and choosing love. And they asked me to become a board member almost two years ago now. And they said to me, we, we want you to be part of the board, but we don't want you to be part of the board. And I said, why is that? <laughs> and they said, um, as a board member, we can't give you any funding. If you're sitting on our board, none right. of the money we raise can go towards any of your needs. And it was a no-brainer for me. It was a way to continue loving on Lewiston and to make that fight easier for people with SMA who couldn't, do it at the time and wow. so yeah we have almost raised a million dollars since oh Lewis sin passed. and um in just three years and we have raised money for power wheelchairs like little micro light wheelchairs for two-year-olds oh. that they can fit in um oh like vehicle modifications therapies treatments um swim spas for pool therapy like and we're funding newborn screening for sma in alberta we've partnered with alberta children's hospital and we are funding 50 percent of the project that will test every baby born in calgary edmonton and area for sma at birth as part of their routine screening wow that's Um, incredible is it just a blood test it's just a blood test. It's one wow. extra drop of blood in the test yeah. I already do for so many other conditions. And now that there's finally a treatment, um, we're seeing babies getting diagnosed quickly, treated quickly, and they aren't showing any SMA symptoms. They're following the like milestones of an everyday kid.
0: Wow. That's
2: incredible. And it's so
0: interesting, like the the speed at which things have happened, like, um my sister has multiple sclerosis. Um And, you know, even from when she was diagnosed, I think it was about 15 years ago, like, I feel like things haven't progressed as fast as that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like, so congratulations, like, that's really impressive.
2: Yeah, it's, it's honestly a dream come true. I remember like, so many years, it was like, no treatment, no cure, no treatment, no cure. And then it was like, oh, there's these drugs, there's this one drug in clinical trial. And every family wanted to get their kid onto that one clinical trial. And then it was like, now there's two drugs in clinical trial. And now we're at a time where there's three drugs in clinical trial that are all showing amazing results.
0: Oh. And
2: it's just like a new SMA, really. It's yeah. completely different than the disease I was diagnosed with at 18 months.
1: Um, Sorry, I wanted to just ask, you were saying that they are, that they're hoping to do screening in utero or right after birth?
2: Right after birth. Okay. Um It is something that can be tested for in utero, um, but they okay. will only do it if you have family history. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then um, when you were saying that both of your parents have the gene? Yes. So um, that could have been tested before. Yes. I guess in genetic testing, right? But yeah. There would have but been SMA known- is another Do
2: one it. that they don't test for in genetic screening of parents okay. unless there's family history. Right.
0: right. And it's- is there a family history? Sorry, Michelle. I just, <laughs> we both have the
2: same question. Same um, thought. No. So there's nobody else in my family that has it um, except for my dad's mom. So my grandma, she has a cousin and her cousin's daughter has three kids with SMA. Wow. So it's like way back in there. And it was crazy. My grandma was having coffee with her cousin and her cousin was like, my daughter's baby was just diagnosed with SMA. And my grandma was like, oh, my granddaughter has SMA. And they got talking and my grandma just brought the grandma and her mom to my house and introduced us. Um, (laughs) And they, since then, have had two more kids and both of them have had SMA as well. Wow. 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 That's
0: wow. That's really incredible. Has has fundraising been affected since the pandemic started? Cause did I hear that you guys do like a like a birthday celebration in May every year for Lewiston? Yeah.
2: So Lewiston's birthday is May twenty-fifth and the year he would have turned one, um, Jess was like, I don't want to have a pity party. I want to do something, I want to bring joy, I want to celebrate his legacy. And I want to raise some money. And she had written down maybe $10,000 she would be able to raise. And we just, they blew it out of the water the first birthday. And ever since, every year on May 25th, we celebrate Lewiston's birthday with like 200 plus people and a big dance party, a big auction. Um, And so this year we couldn't do that. And it was really heartbreaking because it's our year that we're so close to hitting a million dollars raised. And that was our goal for 2020. And so there was a point where we thought we were just going to postpone and celebrate his birthday in the fall. And it was like, but we still can't let that day go uncelebrated. And so Mm -hmm. Jess came up with the idea to do an Instagram-a-thon. And she ended up being on Instagram from 8 a.m. till past 8 p.m. on his birthday. And we live with over 23 different guests from SMA families, myself, um, to George Strombolopoulos and the Birds Papaya. Um, Jillian Harris and her fiance Justin were on there. Um wow. so yeah, it was it was an amazing event and we ended up raising a hundred thousand dollars all virtually. Oh my god
1: So I was kind of um perusing her Instagram while you were talking and I noticed that she it must have been during that um telethon that she was doing that she interviewed someone who's local here who just lost her daughter to cancer.
2: Yes, um, Heather.
1: Heather yeah yeah so yeah wow she's a far-reaching
2: yeah so actually um Jess and Heather met like oh almost I don't know how long ago it was at least a year ago that they met and Mm -hmm. Jess became quite close with Evelyn and Heather through Evelyn's journey I was honored to spend a few days at the hospital with Ev or at Uh Jess's house snuggling babies with her um Mm -hmm. and so yeah it was it was very nice for us to be able to honor Ev um, and her memory on Lewiston's birthday as well. Oh, yeah,
0: wow. it's so
1: heartbreaking.
0: So, yeah. can people, if they want to, like learn more about SMA, if they want to donate to the what is it called, the Lewiston?
2: It's called the Love for Lewiston Foundation. But if you if you Google Lewiston, um, yeah. it's L E W I S T O N. Um, It's the first thing that pops up. Um, It's all over my Instagram and Jessica's as well. Um, But yeah, we still have a pile of applications. We always have funding needs of families. Um, There is never an application for funding that's under a couple thousand dollars. Every piece of equipment is thousands of dollars. I
0: mean, it's How much is like, like, I literally have no idea. How much is like a child's powered wheelchair?
2: So a child's powered wheelchair would be minimum twelve thousand dollars. Oh my god! Like a child's like a-, a child's manual wheelchair that is literally like, like hollow piping and wheels is between six and nine thousand. Wow! Um, and and how then like, often,
1: often do you need to upgrade your wheelchair as you grow?
2: Yeah. So I went through a wheelchair every three years growing up. Um, they say that a wheelchair should be able to last you five to ten years, but I just have never had that happen for me. I'm a little hard uh-huh. on them. Um, I will drive my wheelchair full speed all the way across town instead of getting on a bus. <laughs> and so I um, yeah, I've put a lot of miles on them, but it's like my adult power wheelchairs are forty to fifty thousand dollars each. And the specializations that I need aren't considered necessary by the government, and so it is all government
0: to decide what's (laughs) considered necessary for you, right? And it's like Like
2: things like reclining, reclining my chair so I can like take the pressure off my back is not necessary, or elevating my chair so I can reach things at the grocery store, um, be able to cook. Do all those things to be able to live independently since I don't receive enough funding to have care all the time are considered unessential.
1: So some of these people who make those decisions need to spend a day in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and see what it's really like. Yeah. Also, why can I picture you just like powering through (laughs) like the sand to get to the beach in your wheelchair?
2: Oh, because I've done it
1: nothing (laughs) stops you
2: no no I'll send you guys a picture after it's like me in the biggest deepest mud pit and my two friends just killing themselves laughing like we're never gonna get you out of here like I don't know (laughs) what you expect us to do we're 200 pound girls and you're in a 400 pound wheelchair stuck in the mud like yeah oh that's so nice
0: (laughs) and and so I have to touch on your service dog because I have five dogs and I'm obsessed with dogs. Mm -hmm. And I like, I follow people who have served, like, um, do you know Molly Burke? Who's um, she's like a YouTuber. I'm like obsessed with her service dog. She's, um, blind. And so when I heard on your podcast, you were just about to get your service dog when you did the elevators podcast. I
1: know it's literally going to be like, what's your dog's name?
0: I know. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's been, I guess, just over a year that you've had him
2: yes and what is his name his name is atre it's a-t-r-e-j um he he was born in slovakia so slovakia that's where he was named um he was born to like an incredibly well-known service dog school there um and that's where his trainer had worked for 20 years before she moved to canada and so they gifted him and a black lab girl to my to the trainer um, as her first two dogs for her service dog school she was opening in Edmonton and I was lucky enough to be one of the first applicants and to get my hands on him because he is the sweetest boy he's bilingual so he knows his commands in both languages and he's just amazing
1: Oh my gosh, we we just found him.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's like say no more. I have found him. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah,
0: That's he's cute. He yeah, he's account. big. Yes. And so and so you had said, so how much does it cost to get a service
2: dog? So, they cost $30,000 to buy from a service dog school. There are um non-profit service dog organizations. And I had waited on a wait list for three years with, like, no movement. And finally, it was, like, I'm getting close to graduating school. I need to have more help in my life. And he has literally been the perfect addition to my crazy life. He flies to New York with me. Like, he loves Central Park. He, yeah, he's just perfect.
0: I love that. And because how, so he probably takes off a lot of the pressure of what you would need hired
2: help for, right? Exactly. So he opens and closes all doors for me. Um, He repositions my legs. He picks up anything that falls from like a piece of paper, a credit card, my phone, like a parcel. If it gets delivered to the door, he'll pick it up and bring it to me. Um, He'll pick up anything I can't reach from the lower levels of the shelves at the grocery store and hand them to me. He um, does pressure therapy on my legs when they're swelling. He Ugh. literally is like a dream. The picking things up was the biggest piece of anxiety in my life. I was constantly scared to drop my phone, to drop my credit card, um, to drop the things that I really needed throughout the day, knowing I would have yeah. to wait till like 9pm when my worker came that night to have them picked up. And so just to know that I don't have to worry about that or I don't have to worry about getting stuck in a bathroom because I can't open the door or getting to a restaurant and not being able to get in because there's no button. It's like it's just such peace of mind that he's always there with me and even things he's not trained to do like he's so smart that I can explain what I need and he can usually figure out a way to do it. He can, oh like, gosh. take my shoes off, take my socks off, help me get my jackets off. Wow. That's incredible. But then he's also just a dog, which is the best part. Like, when he, when yeah. I don't need him, he's swimming in the pool. He's chewing his bone. He's doing his own thing. But the mm-hmm. second I say his name, he is beside me and ready to do whatever I need him to do for me.
1: He's on the job. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. We, we don't oh, deserve dogs. We, right? don't, like- we
2: don't. We
0: I always say, like, I have a little tiny, uh, like, wire hair terrier named Tony. Oh, cute. Um, and I always say he, like, saved my life because mm-hmm. he was the one, like, my ex was mean to him. And even yeah. though my ex had been mean to me, it was that moment that I was like, you know what? We don't need this. <laughs> yep. And, like, that was my catalyst for moving on. And, you know, and I'll I'll be honest, there were a lot of days that literally the only reason I got out of bed or kept breathing was because like Tony needed breakfast. Tony needed a walk. Mm-hmm. Tony, you know, like Aww. I just think, you know, and he does, he does nothing for me. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like he is not skilled. He did shred a, tw- uh, a Kleenex the other day. Oh, me something
2: up. to clean up.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, we do not deserve dogs. And like, oh, that's although amazing. the, the other irony, so Tony is accident prone and, <laughs> me and my partner calculated the other day that since having him i've had him for 10 years i've spent over twenty thousand on vet bills for him to yeah, keep him alive like oh, he's broken my. his arm he's been attacked he's swallowed a piece of rubber he like oh. it's like, endless i mean for that price <laughs> i could have ended up with
2: Seriously, that's hilarious
0: <laughs> a dog that actually picks some stuff up for you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <sighs> a little service dog how do you how
1: do you feel um your dog is perceived outside like do you have people trying to pet him are people understanding that he is working like do you kind of have to have that conversation with people that don't pet my dog like he's working
2: yeah I um so many people look at me and think that I'm paralyzed from the waist down So I must have like full strength, upper body. And they're just like, what is this dog doing for you? And so I even have friends who are like, why did you need to spend that much money on him? And it's like, no, it's the times when I'm alone without my friends or without my family that it's like that is when he is my savior because he knows that he's the only one who can help me. Um, And so he's pretty good when... It's just the two of us. And we're like at the grocery store. He wants nothing to do with people. Like they'll want to pet him and I'll be like, oh, sure. And I'll put him in a sit. And if someone asks me to pet him, I usually say yes. He has to listen to me, sit down, stay looking at me. And then I'll let them pet him. But he like is so unfriendly when people do that. Like he won't (laughs) even look at them. He just like keeps turning his head away from them. He's like, no, like I'm working. This isn't social hour. and so he's, he's pretty good at crowd control for himself
0: oh funny that's funny yeah. I have um a three legged dog he's got a front leg amputation oh I and want a
2: puppy so bad yeah
0: <laughs> and he I thought he would make a really good pals dog like to go um mm-hmm. you know volunteer I thought especially with like war amps kids who've you know yeah. faced you know amputation all these things so I took him through the course and he failed because he looked sad when people pet him like he passed everything else but he just doesn't care like you can pet him he's just not gonna look like he enjoys it seriously yeah so he failed he's literally
1: like a a, an eeyore like a dog version of oh
0: I know like he's a happy guy but he just has like resting eeyore face yeah
2: yeah uh, the- Trey really does. Also, everyone will be like, "Oh, is he really sad? You're still shopping," and I'm like, "That's just his face." Unless he's
1: also, I don't think you should have to justify your service dog to anybody. I don't. I don't like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like finding the line as someone in a wheelchair with a service dog who receives treatment. It's like, what is the line of my role to educate and to? Like, share my knowledge, and what is my line that it's just my life and I get to live it and I don't yeah. have to play the role of being the educator? Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you do talks at schools and things like that, right?
2: Yeah, I do. Wow.
0: That's, I think that's really good. But you're right. It's like, at what point do you get to sort of clock out and say, like, yeah. okay, thanks. I'm just gonna be me now. I'm not
1: here yeah. to teach everyone about all of this. I, I just need to live my life. And
2: exactly. So yeah, it. it's, it's a balance I'm trying to find because I am so passionate about activism and changing what the world and the systems look like right now, because it's not just at all. But it's yeah. just like, where, where is that line of keeping myself from burning out? And I have goals now that I'm on treatment, like I want to build the strength to be able to transfer myself out of my wheelchair using my arms wow and so it's like I'm working with rehab specialists and occupational therapists and massage therapists and acupuncture and like trying to get my body back online it almost feels like a full-time job sometimes yeah and so yeah it's it's an interesting balance I'm trying to learn at 24 years old um, oh but well,
1: I mean you're still a person right you're not uh yeah, you're you're not there to just kind of always be on, right? You need exactly. to be able to work on your own stuff and focus on your journey.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, be open with people about what your life is like, but also be able to kind of take some time
0: exactly. away from it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, um, Shay, Shay, I shouldn't call you Shaylin. Well, well, I, well, that's her name. <laughs> fine
2: fine I'll call your name um, it was seriously so nice meeting you you guys too I can't wait until COVID's over and we can have like a puppy play date and all oh meet in person God,
0: I can't I'm gonna bring Tony over and I'm gonna be like Tony I need you to take notes
2: yeah. we'll we'll do a little training session with yeah. Tony
1: <laughs> thank yeah. you so much it was so great talking to you and we should we'll we'll have you
0: back because oh. you got stories
2: I got stories I should oh, do yeah. that would be yeah. amazing
0: I love it. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: You ladies too. Take care. Have an amazing weekend. Bye. Bye. -bye. Michelle.
1: Oh. Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, we're working. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Closing TikTok. Closing TikTok. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh my gosh. Why is Shay the sweetest person ever? Honestly, she's incredible. Her story, her life, everything that she's overcome. I can't even.
0: Like, she was funny, personable, mm-hmm. crazy story, well-spoken. And
1: just her determination is crazy.
0: Yeah. I feel really stupid because the other day I didn't work out because my wrist hurt. <laughs> like, it, I didn't, it just wasn't in my, it had a little twinge and I was like, oh, I better not move my body. Meanwhile, she's like, busting her butt
1: everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's incredible. She has grabbed life by the horns and just, yeah, is determined to live her life.
0: Yeah. We'll have to. I'll post the episode that she was on for the elevator podcast mm-hmm. um, because it was like a way more in depth about her SMA and her journey to the trial drug. Right. Um, and yeah, follow her and her dog on Instagram. Uh, her Instagram. Dog. I love it. So
1: cute. I just can't believe dogs can be trained to do things like that. I just think it's incredible.
0: But no, that was really good. I Mm -hmm. still can't believe she said yes, first of all. Because again, like, who are we? I just sent this message. I'm like, hey, girl. Yeah.
1: No, I'm so happy that we got to interview her. Her story was amazing. So anyways, if you are enjoying us...
0: And our podcast? No,
1: just us. <laughs> uh, follow us on Instagram at I did not sign up for this dot podcast, and on Facebook at I did not sign up for this.
0: And guys, now on TikTok at I did not sign up for this dot pod. Um, yeah, we've got a couple videos out, and they're ridiculous. And I'm so embarrassed, but I love it. The things Michelle makes me do.
1: I'm trying to get her to do the savage dance next.
0: I cannot. <laughs> I'm a savage. Oh yeah. no
1: or Carol basket. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun and it's another fun way to get to know us and how silly we are and and how much fun we have together.
0: Yeah. Um and also write us a review. We have been getting a couple and they're so nice. Um so if you like us, give us five stars because I don't know, somehow that probably helps us. I yeah. want Apple probably wants to know that we're good. Yeah um and we want to know and we want to know and now we're going to end this one and start recording one of our patreon episodes so we each have a crazy true crime story that we're going to talk about um
1: so if you want to check out some more content on patreon you can find us at i did not sign up for this
0: yes yes um all right everybody have a wonderful day or night
1: year month
2: <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.